Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Kyle Gillette. He is a mindset coach who helps small business owners who are feeling overwhelmed, underconfident, and frustrated about their current business situation. He helps them with get clarity, confidence, and more clients. He is an ICF certified coach, behavioral analyst, and creator of the Sage Mindset Leadership Framework. Kyle, welcome. Hey, thanks, Amy. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here and to dive into everything that you do today. So can you share some of your story with us and how you became a coach? Sure. Yeah. In 2000 and let's see, it was 2005, I was sitting at a desk in an apartment just getting ready to wrap up college. And I was on the phone with my parents and I was covered in poison oak. I had unfortunately taken a hike through a mountainous area and we decided for whatever stupid reason, we're going to go through a shortcut. And in California, there's poison oak everywhere. Now where I live, there's no poison oak, which makes me super happy because I'm really allergic to the stuff. And we did this little side hike. We got to where we wanted to go, got our beautiful view of the Pacific Ocean and all that. So it was fantastic. But the next day rolled around, my body was just completely covered from like my ankles to my neck in poison oak. And I was sitting there really itchy talking to my parents on the phone about my future. And the thing was, as I'm sitting there, it was like a microcosm of how my life felt. I was just a wreck. I was 30 pounds overweight. My body was covered in this poison oak itch. And I had no clarity of direction for my life. I was trying to figure out if I was going to be a personal trainer or do something else. Everything was a mess. And that dang poison oak just made it more obvious how a mess things were. So I made some commitments to the roommates that I lived with and said, I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to pursue my personal training stuff and do these other things. In between all that, I had to finish college and I had to work on losing the weight And I got introduced to this guy named John and he was going on a missions trip to India and he invited me to come along. So I went on the trip and was exposed to this whole new world of people, this whole new experience of what life could be like compared to what I have. It sobered me a lot and I fell in love with Indian people and and all these things happened. And then a few months later, he invited me to join this men's mentoring program. That was just before I was graduating. So I'm going, yes, <laughs> I have a plan. I'll join this program. I have uh, living expenses covered because it was room and board and I get to contribute to these guys' lives. So that was the very beginning of being able to mentor and coach people. There's a ton more to the story, but that's the very beginning of it. Wow. In walking through that, what are you grateful for now? Well, in that program, there was a gentleman named Jack and he mentored me for about nine years. He took me to lunch every week for nine years. And during those lunches, he mentored me in life, in business, in relationships, from starting green-eared, not knowing what I'm doing, to helping him run the nonprofit and run a business that we had to support the nonprofit, to into my marriage and into having kids. That's the number one person I'm grateful for through that whole experience. He really taught me what it is to have empathy, to really care about those that you interact with. And exposed me to the business world also in that you can be really caring and really loving of other people, make an impact on the lives of people while also making great money. Because he was like a 30-time entrepreneur, retired at like 45 or 50 years old, and had 
bankrolled, quote, bankrolled the nonprofit to help all these young men through the program that I was now in. Wow. That sounds so amazing. I mean, he sounds like an amazing guy. I wish I had somebody like that when I was younger. Definitely. What are some of the ways that our thoughts can affect our business? It's all about the mindset of, do you have a growth mindset or do you have a fixed mindset? I don't know if you've ever read Dr. Carol Dweck's book called Mindset. And it's all about the difference between those two. And she tells hundreds of stories of the impact that a fixed mindset has on people versus a growth mindset. And that's the G in my Sage Mindset program is that growth mindset. It's the idea that if I went and took a test, let's say I took a math test and I got a 40 or a 60 on it and it got a D. For the rest of my life, someone that has a fixed mindset will believe that, ah, well, I guess I'm not good at math. But someone that has a growth mindset will see their 60 and go, well, that sucks, but I know what I did wrong and I'm going to go ahead and get better at this. And if people don't shift to this growth mindset, they're never going to get their business where they want it. And they're never going to get to that place of joy and excitement and loving life to the level that they could because they limit themselves. That's the fundamental piece of how we can mess things up in our business and our thinking. So you created Sage Mindset Leadership Framework. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is and how it helps your clients? Yeah. As a part of that program, the program was called Alpha Academy. It still exists. There's still young men going through the program. When I was there, there was about 150 students that went through the program and a ton of them got their lives on track and discovered what they needed to do to keep on track. We helped them build a life map, a six-month life map, and then they would take it from there. And fundamentally, we had them answer three questions. Where am I? Where do I want to go? And how do I get there? And as I started to leave that program to come up to the Pacific Northwest, I went, wait a second, I want to be able to do that in the world of business to have an impact on business leaders because those business leaders have this influence over hundreds, if not in some cases, thousands of people. And not just those that they're leading directly, but those that they're indirectly leading, the families that they're helping to support because they're running a business, et cetera. So if I could help them get their lives on track, answer those three questions and move forward, then I'm going to impact a lot of people. And I get to be behind the scenes because I don't want to be the center of attention necessarily. And I was trying to figure out what's out there that I could do that with. And I got exposed to the DISC tool, which is the behavior assessment tool. And I really like that. I still use it, but it wasn't mine. And I wanted to have my own tool that I could use. So over time, I started to come up with these acronyms for leadership pillars. And I had really terrible, ugly acronyms that had like three S's and they made no sense, or there's a T here and an F there. And it just didn't make any sense. So I needed something that was memorable. And one morning at 3 a.m., I was lying in bed and I woke up to a voice telling me self-awareness. Someone, something, I believe God told me it, but someone or something told me self-awareness. And it was at that moment that in the pitch dark, 3 a.m. in the morning, I threw the covers off. I jumped out of bed and I ran into my kitchen, just in my boxers, shivering for the next four hours, scribbling out the beginning of the Sage Leadership Framework. And essentially what it is, is I I like to use the metaphor of a leadership house. Sage stands for self-awareness, accountability, growth, and empowerment. So all great leaders really deploy each of these pillars or each of these mindsets into their leadership. Self-awareness is the foundation of leadership. If we don't have great self-awareness, you can't build anything on it because that foundation is weak. And no matter what other things you have, it won't grow, it won't do well. So you have to have that self-awareness. Then you have growth. Growth is the walls and the roof of your leadership. 
So it's how many people, how much influence you have, who can come underneath your leadership. Empowerment is the windows and the doors. It's the idea that people can both see into your leadership and walk under it and into it through the windows and doors. And then they can also see out and walk out of your leadership when they're ready to go because you're empowering them. When you put all that together, you still have a house that's like a house of cards until you add accountability. Once you add accountability, it becomes the nails that holds everything together. And that's the leadership. That's the sage mindset in the way that I like to describe it. So what's one tip that a business owner can make to improve their mindset? Data. Track, track yourself. Do you have a favorite football team, basketball team, or sports team in general? The Sonics in Seattle, and they're no longer there. And then I stopped watching basketball because they, they retired. I was an extreme fan. but Awesome. <laughs> when you were a fan, you knew the box score of the game, correct? Yes. You would know who won the game, what was the score, how many Sean Kemp had this many rebounds, this many points, Gary Payton had this many assists, et cetera. And you think about your business. I imagine you know where your leads come from. You know how many listens you get to this podcast, how much your revenue is. You know all that information. All business owners know, or at at least they should, know that data about their business or their favorite team. But we rarely ever have data on ourselves. I believe that this is the fundamental flaw in leaders not being able to grow to the potential that they have to become the leaders that they're meant to be. And so if there's some shift that leaders can make, it's to track their own growth. I've developed a way to do that, but that's the fundamental piece that I believe is going to build a huge leadership house where you have a lot of influence and you're empowering a lot of people and leaving a legacy of leadership that actually lasts and that really matters. What are some ways you help business owners achieve their goals? I think it starts with the data. It starts with mindset and habits. I'm writing a book on the sage mindset. It's all about helping leaders become the leaders they're meant to be. And in there, I have 20 different mindsets and 20 different habits that people can adopt into their leadership and already probably have, but maybe not leaning into enough, or maybe they're weak at some of them and they need to pass those on to other people. So for me, it's about those habits and those mindsets. If you can lock the ones in that you're really good at already and lean into those along with the habits that you're really good at and lean into those, then your leadership's going to grow. Your mindsets will improve. You're going to achieve your goals. What are some of the top mindset issues that business owners are facing? What are some of the top ones? Systems. Practically speaking, systems is the thing that so many business owners miss. I've had a lot of conversations where the business owner will be frustrated that their people come to them frequently asking the same questions over and over again. And then the business owner responds and answers that question over and over again. And the problem is they haven't built a system. They haven't put a clear system in place so that that employee goes, oh, well, when this happens, I can follow this system. And a lot of people will argue and say, well, you can't come up with contingencies for everything. You can't, but you can come up with a really good manual, a really good system that a vast majority of the things that come up, they can then follow that system, which makes your business eminently more sellable, which makes your business eminently more easy to run and takes a ton of stress off of you. So that's a big one. Another one would be diminishing themselves. A lot of people diminish their own story and what they're capable of achieving. And so this is that confidence mindset. This is that success mindset, growth mindset, those types of things is what a lot of people really struggle with. And it's in their language. It's in the way that they speak to themselves. That's good. So what are the top struggles around time management and how do you help with that? 
Again, it's data, really. It's tracking your data. But I think there's two tips that for people to just walk away with today, whatever it is that you don't like to do, do it first. Just get it done. Mark Twain talks about the story of if the first thing you do in the morning is you take a frog, you slice it up and you eat it, everything else you have to do the rest of the day is going to be easy in comparison. So do that crappy thing first and everything else will be easy. Even if you only spend five minutes on that crappy thing, you're going to be making progress. So that's one big thing. The other would be take the time to do two minute work. And that is if you can get it done in two minutes, do it. Just do it right then so that it's done. I think a lot of people allow all these tasks to build up. And if they would just spend two minutes on the task, they'd be able to wrap it up and get it done. And you can do that through a Pomodoro technique, which is 25 minutes of work and five minutes of rest and repeat that cycle. That's some of the stuff I have in my book to encourage people with their time management. So what are some of your client success stories? There's two that I really like to share. And one of them is a gentleman's running a marketing business and he had this brilliant idea to essentially do internal marketing, which was to create this method of getting the people within the business excited about the business, marketing it out to the world so that the business is a lot easier for them to hire people. And also it's great branding. And so on our second call together, we were talking about it. And he said, I just haven't done anything yet, blah, blah, blah. He has all these excuses. So I said to him, why don't you turn the draft into me on Tuesday, which was five days later. And he said, okay, I can do that. So five days later, I get an email with the draft of this program, which I kind of skimmed on. And I'm, I'm not here to critique his work. He's a great performer. So then we meet on that day and he says he has a meeting with this prospect. And I'm like, great. So he meets with the prospect and he sells the program for $50,000. This conversation that went from, I'm scared to put this out there to, I'm going to produce a draft of this, turned into $50,000 for him. And it was all a mindset of work. For him, it was doing the work, following through on the good idea he already had. And so he had to break through that limitation on himself of what if this doesn't work? You know, failure mindset, those types of things. The second story is of a home designer. So he's not an architect, but he's a home designer. And this has always held him back. He compares himself to the architects out there and he lowers his fees and diminishes himself as a result of that. And he was working with a prospect that was going to build a multi-million dollar home. And he had a percentage in mind for the commission on designing the home. And so he didn't like the number and we were talking about it. And I challenged him to essentially double his fee. I challenged him to think of himself as an architect because what he's doing is performing at that level. And so he had a conversation with the family and he doubled his fee and they said, yes, and it made him $60,000. And this is just incredible because it was a simple mindset shift for him. And the beauty of it is that mindset won't go back. He will keep the mindset of, no, I can perform at the level of an architect and I deserve the pay at that level as well. So now every time he meets with these families, his fee is going to be at that level, which dramatically increases his overall revenue. It's beautiful. I mean, there's tons of stories, but those two I just love those two stories because they're so clear that the mindset was the thing that needed to change. And when it did, it turned into dollars and way more comfort for them. They're way more comfortable with themselves. So what do you think your truth has been that has gotten you this far in your journey? I've tried to describe values in my life and I thought my values were sage, but that was more of the system, you know, the, the process that I follow to live out my values. And I think Simply put, there's three, and I'm still trying to figure out what the other ones are, but there's three. It's love God, love learning, and exude joy. Those three things. If I can do those three things and pass that on to my kids 
and to my grandkids, et cetera, and to the people that I'm leading, then I'm winning in life from my perspective. And that's the way that I look at my truth as it relates to what I do as a business owner, what does I do as a husband and a father. So if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? The only way that I really sell is meeting people either face-to-face or over Zoom. You have to get them on the phone. You have to get them in the meeting. And I was afraid to do that. I was so busy wasting my stupid time on social media and all this stuff that social media marketers say, you do this, you brand, and it's going to make you... No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And what I do, it doesn't make me money. And almost every client that I've had, the social media is a waste of time and money. And I spent about 50% of my time doing that. Now, there's certain industries where that's an exception. But in an industry where you need to meet face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom with the person, it doesn't freaking work. It doesn't get you sales like face-to-face does. You have to be proactive, reach out, be courageous, expect the failure, and then you'll find a lot more success. And when I finally got to that point about a year ago, I went, wow, (laughs) it's okay when you get rejected. It's not that big a deal. And wow, I've quadrupled my fees and I have more clients than I've ever had before because I'm not so worried about the failure and I'm keeping people in front of me and having the conversations. Yeah. I think that's a good piece of advice. You know, I'm a marketer (laughs) and I do teach people how to grow their social media and I have had some success on my social media, but just growing your social media, number one, doesn't, you know, like I had a client that had actually 2.5 million followers and nobody was buying his programs. So, you know, you can be a uh, social media famous, you can have tons of people following you for your business, but still not have that turn into a business unless you have the right things in place. And, it, and to your point, it should always lead to an in-person conversation. And I think a lot of people are missing that, you know, where they'll just go into email, they'll just go into, but if you're not showing up and building that relationship face-to-face, then yeah, it's not going to work. Definitely. Right. It's definitely the combination. And unless you're selling a product on Amazon, they're buying you. Mm-hmm. They're buying you. They're buying me. You know the formula, no like, and trust. Until they go through that formula of no like, and trust, there's no way that anything's going to happen. And then once they know like, and trust you, then you'll be able to show them the value they have to provide and et cetera, et cetera. So that the whole formula comes into play. Yeah. That's why I like video, but you, to your point, it does take years. It takes a long time or it takes money to run ads Yeah, and do the video, but just posting graphics and doing all the little things. I hate when people start to say things like grow on Instagram, post 5 million times a day and go into people's DMs and like this and like that. I'm against that. And I tell people, look, if you want to grow your Instagram, you run an ad. And that's how you're going to grow your Instagram. You're going to get leads. You're going to get people that actually want what you have to offer because of the ad that you're doing and ignore the rest of the stuff. And that's how I grew my Instagram, two of my Instagrams. But to your point, it's not a place to start when you're starting your business. If you need clients, you need clients now. You need to, what you said, go out, meet people face-to-face. Right. And then you can start. I'm getting to the point where now I can kind of brand Sage. I can push it out there as a reminder, a consistent reminder to people that there's a podcast, there's a book coming, there's an app coming and all that stuff reminds them of, oh, oh, there's value here. There's something that's interesting here. And then of course, writing in my world, I need to write and write content that's different, write content that grabs people's attention and hits them with the needs that they have. Yeah. 
and, but I write what I want to write. I don't try to cater to some market. I write what I want to write. And if people identify with it, fantastic, because then they're going to be a great fit. But if I write to try to base it on the market or the trends, it's not going to feel genuine. And the only way I want to work is genuine and to do it with people that want to work with me based on what they know of me. Yeah. Otherwise it's uncomfortable. And I think that's the main reason why when I'm doing the work and when I earn a client, I don't sell clients on a call. I coach them and then we talk about working together. So they get a full experience with me first because otherwise, because coaching is so nebulous. No, it's so difficult to define and everybody and their mother is a coach. So I want them to know what it is to be a coach and to be coached by someone that knows what they're doing. And then if they like it and they got a benefit from it that matters to them, which they will, then they can decide if it's worth it financially to them. Yeah. I don't want anybody to buy by reading the post. Yeah. Yeah. It's too shallow of a commitment. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody about this earlier today. And we were talking about the difference between people that are more focused on things versus relationship. The entrepreneurs that are more about connection, they're about meaning, they're you know about impacting people's lives from that perspective. And then there's those that are like the bottom line, how much cash, you know, and the revenue and things, that's important to keep your business yeah. flowing. But there are two different ways to approach building your business from those two mindsets. You could go out and you can cold call. You can, you know, cold email. You see tons of people on LinkedIn every single day sending sales messages. Most of them don't succeed <laughs> because we're moving more into, I think, the era where it is more important to build relationships, especially because so many people have been isolated. People want yeah. connection. They don't want to be sent into an automation. So if your automation never sends somebody into a one-on-one -on -one conversation and they don't ever get interact with you, then it's not going to work. I agree. I think a lot of people are afraid of that call too. I 100% agree that that's the path to take, but so many people have been burned on those calls and sold and pressured that for those of us that that's not what we do on those calls. We serve mm -hmm. them on the call. And sometimes it ends up and in, turns into a sale, but that's because it flows to that. We get kind of hosed, <laughs> to use nice language here, because of other people pressuring. I've been pressured multiple times. And when I first owned my business, I gave in because I was sold and sold to the tune of you know $25,000 worth of services that literally did nothing for me. They helped my business in no way whatsoever. They sold me a bill of goods. Yeah. $25,000 when you're first starting out, it's a lot of money. I don't care what business you're running. That's a serious amount of money in a service-based business, especially. Yeah. And now I'm so leery of that. If I get an email, unsolicited email, I archive it. If I just don't care anymore. Like you need to know me if you're going to try to do anything with me. Yeah. Or I'll reach to you if your stuff looks good enough. Yeah. I get a lot of that. Usually when people come to me, they've been burned, especially with the mm -hmm. marketers are like, you know, the six figure. I'm going to take you to six figures. Now I have a few people that I'm going to interview on my podcast that help people with high ticket. And I think, don't think there's anything wrong with that, but if they actually can deliver on their promise. Yeah. And I'm very, very leery of, you know, and focused on always trying to bring the results and being very, very realistic and practical of what the results are actually going to be or what the potential is going to be. And then I also get a lot of people that, it's interesting. I've had people get angry at me on Zoom because I'm giving them all this free stuff. And they're like, 
thank you for giving me all this stuff. Thank you for everything. But what can I do for you? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know. I just want to be, you know, I just want to know you. That's what you're giving me, you know? And so it is kind of funny how people, or there'll be people like, you know, I want to build my business like you, but you know, I know people aren't going to trust me because I didn't trust you. When you reached out to me, I didn't trust you. I'm like, really? I don't want anything. I just, you know, want to connect with you. So yeah, it is a completely different way of approaching things. But I think I mentioned to you that, you know, I worked for Deloitte for seven years and I was in strategic relationship management and that's how they build their business and how they get clients and work. They don't go out and do sales calls. It's just building relationships. And sometimes those relationships, it takes eight to nine years to build a relationship Mm -hmm. before actually anything ever comes of it. So that's the only thing that I really knew and that I knew that I was good at. Mm -hmm. And I just decided I'm going to focus on that. I think I've had a positive impact on some other marketers as well, because I started to share my story because I start, I was succeeding in my business, just building relationships with people. And a quote that came out from one of the groups that I was a part of that they did a summit and they said, the new way of marketing is to build relationships with your community online. And I'm like, the new way, like that's always been the way. The obvious way you mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like you should actually have a relationship. That's why there's live. That's why you do video. They're trying to actually connect with people. So yeah, I think that that's one thing that people miss. They'll go after tactics the XYZ course on how to make a seven figure, whatever. And they get all up into that and excited and they forget that true digital marketing is relationship building. Yeah. That was my error because I bought into the pay for a client. Basically, if I put out enough money to a formula, then that will create a client for me. But there was no relationship there. And even when I got the very few calls, like two (laughs) where people actually showed up for a call. It was so awkward because I hadn't ever practiced having a call with someone to build a relationship. And so I learned in my world, it's coach. If you want to be a better coach, coach, (laughs) it's that simple. You don't get to be a better coach unless you get in front of people and work with them and coach them. And when that clicked, I got so many new clients. Now, some of them, they weren't paid because I was new and some of them were really cheap and that's fine because I was coaching and that's what I needed to do. And then now that time has passed, I know I'm a good coach and people know that, but like you were saying before, they want results. And so for the longest time, I was like, how do I prove that these folks are getting results? And it's actually not too complicated. You have them track their goals and make one of their goals a financial goal, and then they're going to make progress. It's such a stupid, obvious thing. But now that I've done that, it's beautiful to watch people take the right actions towards achieving their goals and make money in the process. And that's not something that anybody's ever, one coach did that for me, but nobody else in all the services I've paid for has ever done that for me. They've never said, here's a dashboard of what we're doing for you and how it's benefiting your business. It's like they throw you a system and say, you do it, And good luck. I'm just glad you gave me five grand or 10 grand. It's true. It's terrible. Yeah. In my marketing, I give people an actual spreadsheet with KPIs. So when they choose what they're marketing, they're going to go after, I make sure that it's measurable and they can actually measure it. Yeah. 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 Data, 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 data. We have to have that. We got to have a scoreboard. Yeah. It's encouraging. I use that in my own business and, you know, just even like, Let's say you wanted to get more traffic to your website and you don't emotionally feel like you're getting 
more traffic. But then you go into the stats and you're like, wow, I've doubled. You know, I didn't think that my social media following was growing. I thought, oh, it's just staying the same. And then I started to track it. I thought, wow, I'm expanding like crazy. I mean, there's just things that we, if we don't measure them, you don't know the needle that's getting moved in your work. Yeah. Have you ever heard the phrase, if you torture the data, it'll give you what you want or something to that effect? No, I haven't heard of that. Okay. That's the idea that you can take data and twist it to what you want it to say. It's the idea that if you put someone in a room and you torture them enough, they'll tell you whatever you want them to so they're not tortured anymore. And so you can do that to data. And what I like to tell people is that's how you can look at data that way or the other way, which is let's examine, torture, go after this data so that it tells us the truth because you can get it to tell you what you want it to, or it can tell you the truth. And sometimes when I look at my data, I don't like the truth. Yeah. (laughs) It makes me sad. It's not what I want it to be, but now I can do something with it. It's genuine feedback. And I'm not even a data head. And that's not even the way I'm wired. I'm much more of a people person and a doer versus an analytical person. But you have to, you have to analyze your business and your data and yourself. That's where, you know, my primary work is with people's analyzing themselves. And it's beautiful when you do it because it works. And the thing is, there's people out there that are creating videos and creating podcasts and blog posts and all that. And they're continuing to create similar content that is probably pretty good, but they haven't looked at the data to see that nobody cares. Yeah. I have this one post that I put on Medium that gets like 300 reads a week. It's crazy. It just is rocking and rolling. It's about disc and the way that different styles interact with each other on a team. And I get over 300 reads a week, but unfortunately it's not monetized. But anyway, it's read like crazy. And the thing is, I have probably, I think six or so other articles and they don't get reads. So what does that tell me? I need to focus on this team thing on this disc thing. Cause that works. But for the longest time, when I first started my business, I didn't look at what people cared about. I just was writing. And so I still want to write what comes from me. But when you look at that data, you end up saving yourself a ton of time because there's people that have the data available to them. They just never looked at it. And they've been writing for six months about things people don't care about. Or at least their audience doesn't care about. Yeah, or nobody. I mean, I've looked at people's SEO, their website. They're like, I have a blog and they have like 200 blog posts and they're writing about literally things that nobody on the internet are searching for. Have you ever heard of the tool Jarvis? I've heard that name, but I'm not sure what it is now. Remind me. So Jarvis is a AI tool that does writing that helps you write. One of the AIs. Okay, yes. I've heard of several of those. I'm using a monthly subscription on it. I've been burned before where I used a tool for a little bit and paid for the whole year just to get the discount. And I thought, mm, I'm going to make sure I really like this. So I'm doing monthly on it. So far, I got one client from it and I've used it for two and a half months. I got one client out of it already just because I put a post up about burnout. And I had my own ideas about burnout. And then I had it help me develop the idea more and create actionable, it was much more action-oriented words than I write. And it was great. The words matter. I guess this is what I'm trying to say about all this is that you, comes all the way back to Sage. What we say to ourselves matters. And what we say to other people matters. And more importantly, what we say to ourselves again matters because if I'm saying things like I'm not that good at this, I'm not that great at this or all that language, then of course you're not going to be good at it. You're not going to improve. And the people are going to notice too. When I wasn't near as confident about my coaching as I am now, I could hardly sell any of my coaching. I could hardly get a client. 
And then when I started to go, wow, I'm actually getting results. I'm actually helping people and they appreciate what I'm doing. All of a sudden, the imposter went away and I got a lot more confident. I don't have a lot of room to grow, of course. But those words that I said to myself completely changed. That's been huge. I don't know how that's affected you for your own words that you said to yourself. What's your perspective? Yeah. I mean, I think that as far as growing my business goes and the confidence that I've had around that with clients, you know, I start my business, my digital marketing agency started out as coaching. I got my first clients through an online service that did lead generation. And I got the opportunity to coach other coaches and we would coach each other for free. Yeah. That helped me to get a lot more comfortable and fail with people when they didn't have like, you know, we were all new. So I could bring them through a process and it not work. And then they give me feedback. This is not working, you know, and then I was able to adjust things. So having that type of a group where you can coach each other for free, I think that really helped me with the one-on-one stuff. And then as far as my digital marketing, because there's two things that have helped, I think my mindset, one, I use proven strategies that I have used in my business that have worked for me and that other agencies use that have, that are proven that I know that people are charging $65,000 to do like what I do for my marketing assessment. When I first started that, I'm like, okay, I know how this proven strategy, I know it absolutely works. I use it in my business. It worked in my business. All I got to do is apply it to other people. So then I brought tons of people through that process. The steps are easy. So that was easy because it wasn't something that I created. It was something that I learned how to do and I knew that it worked. And then I white labeled my agency. So even though I'm a team marketer, I'm a former CMO, I've managed entire team. I've done all the social media for public figures, grew their account, won awards, all this kind of stuff, done the lead generation. I wanted to be able to have a team to help me with the workload. I didn't want everything just to be on myself. And so I white labeled my agency. So I have about a team of 600 to help me with all the work. Yeah. So that's helped me because I also have a team to go to and talk to them about, okay, I've got this project. How else can we help them? It's a little bit different. And I didn't find out till later that a lot of other marketers, like good ones, do that same thing. However, there's also those that aren't that great at marketing that will use the services that I have. They've told me this. They said, we've had people come. They're not marketers. They're not trained and they'll try and use our services. And they actually, they fail because you have to be a good marketer in of yourself in order to even just meet people's needs. I think that when you learn one thing as a marketer, like, you know, Facebook ads in my mind, that's not being a marketer. That's a media buyer and you work for somebody. Yeah, you can make you know money off of that, but and I think that's what ends up happening is somebody will learn one thing, one tactic out there, they sell it to people, and then you have all these one-hit wonders where they use this tactic, it worked, but now what? There's no mm-hmm. growth plan. There's no what's next. There's no after this, now what? You know. So that's why I tried to make sure that people consistently have every 90 days, this is what you're going to do. What has to happen in the next 90 days? Let's focus on that. And I don't say this is the only one thing will work and you've got to do this. I'm like, you, anything will work. Tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you like, you know, and narrow it down. But I think that it's just over the years, I'm confident in a lot of the things that I've been trained in, a lot of the things I've been able to implement. I used to solve Jeff Bezos problems for a living. You know, they'd say, Amy, go out, study Jeff Bezos, tell us all of his problems. 
go and solve all those problems with what we have to offer and then put it in marketing material. And we're going to go have a discussion with him. And so I would do that for all of these people in C-suite. And that built my confidence too. When they took that and said, wow, you really did solve his problems. I can really go have a conversation with him. That helped me as well too. So it's definitely been a journey. And I think I'm very much of an empath. Probably my biggest struggle in uh, business is I feel everyone's emotions. Mm. And so if I'm working, (laughs) I can't work with people that have temper tantrums or very, very, you know, get really angry or have blow ups or any of that kind of stuff that doesn't fly with me because I feel all that energy and I just can't do, I can't do that. I tend to try to find people that are like me that are also very empathetic and that, you know, feel energy and all of that. And we tend to do really, really great together because we're all focused on the value that we're bringing people and not like the bottom line. So I'm a little bit different, I think, from other marketers in that way. It makes me think about the idea that I imagine you want five-star clients and they want a five-star coach, marketer to work for them. And as we've both gone through our businesses, especially for me, because I can't speak for you, but for me, I've realized that the results of the work that I do with a client, the closer they get to that five-star person, the better result they're going to get. It's like the strengths. I'm sure you're familiar with strengths assessments and how if you lean into your strengths, that you're going to get better at your strengths way faster. You're going to be able to improve your weaknesses. So I want to take someone that's already a four-star, four and a half and help them to move to that five-star because they're going to put in that type of effort. Yeah, I've worked with people that didn't put in the effort and I'm like, man, what's wrong with me? In retrospect, I realized that they weren't putting in the effort and it wasn't me. My coaching has changed and it's gotten better, of course, because time and effort, but still they just didn't put the work in. I don't want to bring someone into my program that won't put the work in because it's going to be a bad experience for both of us. And, And then that makes them look bad and that makes me look bad. So it's hard though to be choosy when you're first starting out because you just want to get clientele. You just want to go, but it's really the wise path is to choose five-star clients and then you're going to get 10-star results, let's call it. Yeah. You really do have to be picky because it'll bite you in the butt later on. I'm very sensitive to that. And that's part of why I do my assessment. And I try to get people through that because it gives us an opportunity to kind of feel how it is to work together. And if there's an issue in that month that we work together, then clearly we won't want to move forward. And I think that that helps too. But I think that to your point of not taking it personal when somebody doesn't do the work, I've had people that far and few between with the one-on-one marketing stuff, but it happened like once where I had somebody that just threw a temper tantrum and didn't want to move forward, Mm. but that was on her. Like she just didn't want to make a decision of from these tactics, what do you want to put in your business? And she just didn't want to move forward with that. So that's not on me. That's her decision, right? One of the things that I I require my clients to do is to create what are called lead measures. And I know we're running out of time, but have you ever heard of a lead measure? No. Okay. So there's lead and lag measures. The short of it is a lag measure is the result of what you're trying to achieve. So I want to go from having 25 clients to 150 clients, for example. And I want to do that by the end of 2022. Well, that's your lag. You can't really directly impact that number. It's only something you look at in retrospect. The lead measure is what leads you to that result. So that would be an example that would be setting up 
five networking meetings a week with people where I'm meeting with someone, getting to know them, offering 10 free coaching calls every other week or every two weeks to people. Those are lead measures that lead you to that ultimate result of having X number of new clients. And we don't do that. This is the thing that changes people's worlds and their businesses, because as you do that, you're developing a system. And if you write it all down, then you can plug someone else into that system. Like you have, you've done that. Cause if you have 600 people that are helping you, you've plugged in 600 people into a system that freaking works. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Until businesses get that, they're only going to be as good as they can be in their own strengths and their own abilities and their own time. That's that mindset that is one of the first ones I have to help people break because they're always complaining about time problems. Mm-hmm. If we can break that time problem issue, then we can get them thinking and going, wow, I actually am really creative. Wow, I actually am innovative. I do have great ideas. I can sell really well or whatever it is that they want to try to achieve. But it starts with, you got to break that mindset, that time issue and all those things. Kyle, if people are listening and they want to get a hold of you to work with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, go to GilletteSolutions.com. Gillette, just like the razor and go to my website. There's a free way to connect with me. There's an assessment you can take, a lot of different things you can do. As you've heard from me on the show, you know, I want to connect and actually get to know the people that I could be potentially working with and networking with. Just today, to give you an example, listeners, I met with somebody at a coffee shop and I'm going to connect him with three people that will probably make him a ton of money just because I care about the dude and I have those connections. So that call isn't necessarily going to be, I'm pitching you It's say, let's get to know each other. So GilletteSolutions.com. Perfect. I'll put all those links down below. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise today and your experience and your journey. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate it. Yeah. And if you're listening, you want more information about A Call to Thrive, you can go to a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone for listening and have a wonderful week.